Welcome to another episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, and today I've got Travis Meisner, Manager of Partnership Development with the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Really excited to have Travis on today uh, to talk a little bit about what he's done uh, in the NBA prior to. um, And Travis has has got a really interesting path to where he's at right now with the NBA and and uh, we actually met back at Ohio U, uh, Bobcats. So we've had quite a few Bobcats on the show. Uh, Andy Dolich, our co-host, being one of them as well. And uh, Travis knows Andy. And so we're looking forward to having Travis kind of talk about how he got to where he is today. And uh, we'll kind of dive into some of the things that uh, he prides himself on throughout his career. And we'll go from there. But Travis, welcome to Life in Front Office. Thanks, Jake. I, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. And, and I think back to my time in grad school, Travis, you actually were a former podcaster yourself. Uh, we, were, we, were, we were conversing about how easy this app is, and, and I think you're, you're actually probably the podcast expert compared <laughs> to me. Yeah, uh, expert. I don't know about that one. We, we attempted to do a podcast, but uh, yeah, it was uh, Brett Bauer and Todd Moore and I for the 50th anniversary of the program. We, we recorded some podcasts with some some pretty big names in the sports world. I think Andy was actually one of our first guests, ironically enough, uh, four, four years ago or so. Um, yeah, we, we, uh, we got our butts kicked by that. So I'm, I'm glad that you, uh, you found a path in this cause we, we, we gave up after a semester doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, hence it probably, it was probably easy enough that you guys were graduating too. So yeah. Uh, it was an excuse to, to not continue, but, um, I actually listened to quite a few of those episodes back then. And, uh, so I will say it's kind of interesting to come full circle now that we got you on here. And um, tell us a little bit about, you know, obviously your journey to getting to Ohio and, and uh, picking Ohio U. I remember actually during my interviews we had met and, and it was ironic enough that uh, we all know sports is a small world, but you had known Jeff Martinez through the NCAA mm-hmm. uh, experience you had had. And Jeff was my athletic director at University of Redlands. So just crazy to know kind of how people are connected but how'd you get to OU and then and then where'd you go after that yeah uh well it's uh it's a little bit of a roundabout path my uh undergrad is actually my my bachelor's degree is in physical education so my plan was to be an elementary school PE teacher uh basically up until the end of the end of school um I had a really unique opportunity as a baseball student athlete at Loris College uh, in Dubuque, Iowa, Division Three school to um, be a part of our student athlete advisory committee uh, on campus, and then I uh, was lucky enough to to participate in the conference SAC as well, and, and got to know my commissioner pretty well uh, before he was uh, gracious enough to to nominate me for the national committee. So I actually was on the the NCAA Division Three National Student Athlete Advisory Committee for three years. Uh, from 2011 till uh, January 2014, uh, and that's where I, that's where I got to know Jeff a little bit. He was on management council and was the representative uh, with, with the student athletes. Uh, so when I was there, um, I, I just kind of learned the passion for. For I always knew I had a passion for sports. I didn't really understand what sports business was. Uh, I figured sports business was athletic directors and ticket sales. I didn't really understand uh, the extent of of how far it reached. Um, I actually, you know, by the end of my time there, uh, I had some 
opportunities to travel abroad uh, within the NCAA and, and learn about how some of the other countries do um, college athletics uh, and kind of learn how we are, we are an outlier compared to other countries. Um, you know, it was a really cool opportunity. And then, you know, I kind of realized that I wasn't really made for teaching and that wasn't the path I, I wanted to go down. And uh, I got to know Christina Wright a little bit when I was uh, at the NCAA as well. And uh, she had suggested checking out Ohio. Uh, I, I knew that going back to school, if I wanted to continue my bachelor's and get a second one in sports management would take me about just as long as it would have taken to do my master's. So um, she put me on that path to Ohio. And uh, at first it was, uh, it was college athletics and fundraising. I wanted to be an athletic director. And then uh, I, I learned quickly that uh, the path I wanted to go down was more in the sponsorships uh, realm rather than fundraising. Uh, and yeah, the rest is kind of history. I went from there to Kalamazoo, Michigan, and uh, was the manager of partnership sales for the Kalamazoo Growlers, a summer collegiate baseball team in the Northwoods League, uh, working for a couple, uh, actually Ohio grads up there as well, um, cutting my teeth. And then I uh, had the amazing opportunity to relocate down here to Charlotte in uh, June of 2018. And here we are a year later, I'm uh, one of three of our sales guys uh, on our partnerships team. And uh, it has been a tremendous learning opportunity to this point. And uh, I, I am so grateful for every opportunity I've had and, and to get to where we are every day. I, I walk about the four blocks it takes for me to get to work. And, you know, it uh, sometimes I have to pinch myself to realize that, you know, every day I get to walk into the stadium in the center of a major city for work. Uh, so, yeah, my, my path is, is very roundabout. And, and the common theme for me is not knowing what I'm going to do and kind of just following uh, blindly until I, I find something that I'm passionate about and run with it. And, and here we are, uh, you know, 10 years later. So one would think, how do you go from summer collegiate baseball to the NBA? Yeah. And, and then also, you know, how do those, how do those two experiences translate uh, or compare to each other? Right. You know, you've got how many, Look, I played in two years of summer ball. It wasn't the Northwoods, so let's just put that out there. Right. It's not that good. Uh, but I had a couple hundred people. I know you guys probably had you know, a couple thousand maybe out there at each game. And then, mm -hmm. what, you're filling the NBA arena, you know, 20,000 plus, plus a night? Sure. A little bit different? Very different. You know, um, it, what I learned and, and what I kind of explained in my interview process, and frankly, I didn't. I, I had an idea of what I was getting into with the Hornets. Um, but you really don't know what you don't know. And I had, I have, have had friends who work in the industry and the NFL and the NHL and even in the NBA and, and trying to gain, you know, learn as much from them as I could before I even got to the interview process. But yeah, I mean, in Kalamazoo, we were doing 2,500 to 3,500 a game. Um, but you know, in all reality, that is from a partnership perspective, even from a ticket perspective, it's a very similar sell. Um, in Kalamazoo, it's all about family fun and giving people an opportunity, a safe place to come and hang out and spend a few hours, drink a couple of beers and have a good time with the family or with your friends. And really, the, the Hornets are, are an extension of that. You know, we are a uh, it's a little bit of a different market here in Charlotte with uh, it's very transplant heavy. Um, so while we do, um, average about 16,000 fans a game, uh, you know, what we've learned is, is the majority of our fans aren't necessarily your rabid diehard fans. 
uh, it is more of a lifestyle brand. Uh, most people who move to Charlotte move from major areas like New York, Chicago, Columbus, um, you know, down south into, into Orlando, Miami. So you have a lot of people who, who come in with their uh, fan affiliation but go to the games because they want to be a part of their community or they want to see their own team, uh, which either way is okay. We, you know, we, we welcome everybody with open arms, but from a sales perspective and partnerships, um, you know, here I find it easier and more challenging in different ways. But in Kalamazoo, you know, you might be meeting with um, the guy, the mom and pop who own a grocery store who have run it for the last 40 years. And they're uh, they've spent, you know, $2,000 a month on newspaper advertising for the entire career that they've been open. And I'm going in there and trying to tell them why they should spend that money with a baseball team. So, it, you know, trying to explain at its root what a partnership is, was a lot of what I was doing in Kalamazoo. Whereas here, um, you know, it's the same idea. What are your goals and how can I, and objectives and, and how can I offer you a solution to reach those goals and objectives just on a, on a much grander scale and add a couple zeros on the end. It's uh, by at, at its root, it's really the same thing. Um, and I think that was part of the, part of the reason that I was hired here is that if you look at it that way from, from the client's perspective of goals and objectives, and then how we solve those problems and, and spin a little creativity to it. Um, it doesn't matter if you're selling the NFL, MLB, NBA, or, Northwoods League. Uh, it, it, it's really all the same at its root. And I think that uh, that mentality has paid off for me quite a bit uh, in my first year here. No, it's awesome. And, and you know, as many people will say, especially in the sponsorship industry, you'll never be able to watch a game the same way. Um, <laughs> what did you what have you learned from your time at the Northwoods and, and now at the Hornets in terms of going to other sporting events and maybe some advice along the way for those who are either in the industry that maybe aren't in sponsorships, but what to maybe look for or pick up on or those who are in the industry and kind of what you look for uh, when you go to an event. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, you're, you made it, you hit the nail on the head, Jake. I mean, you, it ruins the way you look at watching game. I say ruin. It changes the way you look at games. It changes the way you listen to radio ads. It changes the way you see billboards on the highway. Um, I notice all these things now. And so when I go to sporting events, whether it's the Kalamazoo Growlers or the Charlotte Hornets, um, I look at it as, okay, I'm, I'm not a seller right now. I'm not a, a member of the organization. I'm a consumer. How are they trying to impact my buying habits and what are they doing? So if I see, you know, at its, you know, it's partnerships as signage, that's what most people see when they, when they think sponsorship uh, you know, your signs on the outfield wall of a baseball stadium or on the video board of a Hornets game. Um, but really, I try to look for the promotions and anything that's creative or off the wall, anything that makes me laugh uh, or, or makes me kind of shrug. Like, you know, what, what's what's the purpose for that? What are they trying to achieve out of that um, is is in my eye, in my mind, a, a good promotion or a good activation. Um, so, yeah, when I go to sporting events, it annoys the heck out of my fiance because I can't sit still. I, I, I sit in the seat. Even if I, we go to a Charlotte Knights game here uh, in Uptown Charlotte, we'll, the AAA affiliate, we will, uh, I need to walk around the stadium. I need to walk around. I need to see who's <laughs> tabling. I need to see who's doing giveaways. I need to see what their kids' area looks like. I need to see what their concessions offerings are, what kind of beer they have. And now we don't really view them as a competitor. I mean, we do in some ways. Uh, obviously, they are selling a platform 
um, a little bit smaller than what we are, but it, uh, it's more so just, you know, how are they getting creative and what ideas do they have that we might be able to, to uh, emulate in, uh, with using our scale at Spectrum Center. So, um, yeah, when, when the family just wants to sit around and watch baseball or watch football or whatever it is, I'm, I'm getting antsy and trying to check out everything that they're doing. And you're, you're probably taking some pictures to uh, yeah. notes, right? Checking I social mean... media. Yeah. I want to see what their social <laughs> feeds are doing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the walk around the park definitely makes you probably owe her a beer, right? <laughs> yeah. Like you kind of have to get a, Hey, I'll, I'll buy you a beer if you walk around the park with me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you want to go for a walk? Oh man. Come on. <laughs> yeah. It's every time. It's every time. That's awesome. So now that you've been in uh, your job at the Hornets for a year, um, kind of seeing, you know, the way the NBA works and, and um, you, you know, are not obviously from Charlotte. Um, so talk a little bit about your experiences moving from place to place uh, along the way. Yeah. Um, it's funny. We last year, April 21st of 2018, uh, I got, I proposed to my then girlfriend uh, and, and now fiance uh, and then about, I think it was April 27th, uh, I got the call offering me this position. Um, so in a matter of about, you know, four weeks, you go from uh, one style of life to uh, packing up with your fiance, packing up your house and your dog and everything and, and moving halfway across the country. Uh, it just happened very quickly. Um, and it's tough, you know, when you leave a position most people who leave a position aren't dying to leave a position. You might, you obviously are ready to take the next step, but I wasn't dying to leave Kalamazoo. I had a lot of great friends there and, uh, and still do. And it was, it was kind of tough to, to just pack up your life and, and move cross country. We had 36 hours to find an apartment, uh, here in wow. Charlotte. Yeah, I was, I was lucky enough timing wise. I was actually in Athens, uh, and drove down with a friend, um, after symposium at OU and um, had, a, had basically a day and a half met Jackie down here and, and, and looked at a few apartments before uh, finding one that worked out. And, uh, you know, it, the, the moving is when you're in the process of trying to find a new job, you always think, oh, relocating is not that bad. Uh, I don't think I'll ever think that ever again. It, it is, uh, <laughs> you know, we love it. We don't, we, we, we see ourselves in Charlotte for, for a long time. Uh, we really enjoy it, but um, yeah, that moving part, it, it was, uh, it was not easy, but definitely worth it. I mean, I'm, I'm glad it's behind us, but uh, yeah, for anyone who's looking to do that, it, it, it's uh, there's definitely hidden challenges that go along. I was lucky. My, my dad was uh, in the area in Chicago area and drove up to Michigan to help us. But um yeah, it was, it was quite the experience. Now, for those who are either in the industry thinking about the next move or those who are trying to get into the industry, what's like the one thing you could kind of warn them about or, or, or provide a tip on in terms of moving cross country or, you know, thinking about the location aspect of where they're about to take uh, Location wise, um, you know, we moved, we moved from, from, or I moved from Athens to Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, and my fiance, uh, moved from Newport, Rhode Island to Kalamazoo, Michigan. I moved to Michigan, um, not because of Kalamazoo. You know, I liked Kalamazoo. It was fine. Uh, when I moved there, I ended up loving it after the fact, but, um, you know, I fell in love with the opportunity, uh, and, and with, 
kind of the um, the uh, opportunity to to really start my career off in a great way uh, at a place where I could make a difference right away. Um, that was what was important to me. Um, my opportunity here in Charlotte, I knew that my next step, it didn't necessarily, you know, I wasn't forced into it, right? I, knew, I, I chose to do it. And um, the reason I did that was because I fell in love with the leadership with, okay, I, you know, when I'm on my interview and, um, and my, my boss now who is asking me questions and, and the answers that I'm giving um, are completely true and really how I feel and on philosophy and everything of that nature. And you kind of don't know how they're going to react. Cause you, cause you just, you're just kind of talking through how you feel about things. It's not, there's no calculated response or anything. And at the end, uh, you know, she had said, wow, you know, we agree. With, I agree with everything you said. And I was like, whoa, okay. It wasn't, wasn't anticipating that type of answer. Um, <laughs> so, you know, for me, it was, uh, it was twofold. It was that. And then as well, my, my family's always kind of had an eye on, uh, my parents were retiring down towards the Carolinas and my brother's in, in law school, uh, in, uh, at Wake Forest. So it was easy for us to, to find a place down here. We'd kind of had our eye on Charlotte for a while. Um, yeah, I think for anybody who's trying to just take that next step, whether it's cross country or not, I think you got to identify like what's most important to you. For me, this next step, the most important thing for me was leadership and, uh, and finding a mentor, finding a boss that's willing to help me grow and, and, uh, and, and let me fail without, um, you know, teaching me from my failures instead of, uh, you know, in sales, it's, it's easy to find. There's a lot of places where you can get buried by your failures. If you don't bounce back, if you don't have a leader who is, uh, willing to help you. That was the most important thing to me. And, uh, I, you know, looking back, it was a great decision. You know, there's the Hornets are definitely, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of things we can get better on as, as most places do. But, um, I think for me with my personality and, and my, uh, situation with, um, with my boss, with my coworkers, I think it was, uh, everything I knew I was getting into was, was well worth it. Oh, that's awesome. And as we transition into kind of the interview process, I know you've got some um, pretty unique ideas as to, you know, going through the interview process, the follow-up process. I was enthralled by your two, uh, $2 bill idea. Which, uh, <laughs> I would love for you to elaborate on it. it as long as you're okay with sharing your, yeah. uh, but uh, as you go through the interview process and as, as anyone else does, what are maybe like the one or two things that you think you, you try and do to, to make yourself stand out? Yeah. I mean, um, the $2 bill, uh, that I'll, I'll explain that a little bit, but we, um, you know, my, my best advice and in interview that I learned in this process, I mean, I had, I had six different Skype or phone interviews with the Hornets before I got the job offer. Um, you know, before I'd ever, any interview I've been in before, it's kind of, you know, personality traits uh, asking you what type of person you are and a lot of it is kind of hard to base a lot on when you're coming out of college yes you ha you might have more experience than the next person but it's probably not by a lot uh and then when you're in grad school obviously i I'd done some things to set myself apart but again it's it's not as necessarily as much as someone who might have been working in the industry for the for the last two years um so for me it was taking everything that i had learned in kalamazoo from a um, from a foundational perspective, a less is more approach with partners, a, a going to 
a problem solving approach and a partner first mentality. And that was kind of sticking to my guns. I wrote out everything that I could possibly imagine what they would ask me about partnerships. Um, and, you know, there were some curveballs in there that, that I, I don't, I didn't expect, but I think I had some notes written out based on uh, knowing who's interviewing me. I did research on who was interviewing me. And then when they ask you, Hey, you know, what questions do you have for me? It was questions specific to their background. So a, it shows that I did my research and B uh, it gets a genuine answer. It's not a, it's not a stock question. Um, I think that was a huge tip uh, from my end. And then, like you said, Jake, the follow-up, man, the, uh, my, our SVP here at the, at the Hornets, uh, it was funny. It was last week we're sitting in it waiting for a meeting to start. And he looks at me again, remember we're a year out since I started. And he looks at me and says, Hey, do you still have a $2 bill in your wallet? And, <laughs> and then I whipped out my wallet and I showed him my $2 bill. And he's like, man, I, I still remember that. Like it was yesterday. Um, to give you a brief, a brief overview of what I do it, uh, or what I did, I knew that I was in the finalists here. Um, I knew that I had a great shot. I knew I connected well with everybody on the phone. I knew that I was in. I just needed one more thing to push me over the top because I knew that if I just let it come down to, you know, me and other people, then it's just kind of a crapshoot on what they decide. Um, so what I did is I wrote a letter uh, to uh, my my boss, Nicole Metzger, former boss, uh, and. Uh, explain to her why I was unique and different from anybody else that was applying and using the, uh, the metaphor of a $2 bill, how it's different, how it's unique, how it turns heads. Um, and I wrote a whole letter based on that, wrote it by hand, signed it and threw a $2 bill in there. And kind of the line at the end that was a little bit of a sales nod is, you know, if you, you just earned $2, uh, reading this letter, imagine what your ROI is going to be on, on hiring me. So, uh, a little bit cheesy, but I'm a little bit cheesy. So um, <laughs> I can't, I can't take total credit. You know, we used, that was a sales tactic we used in Kalamazoo. Uh, I, I, I took it from John Bollinger. I kind of spun it my way. John's the uh, GM of the Bismarck Larks, the Northwoods league. Um, so yeah, but it worked. It worked. I sent it to the SVP and the VP and, uh, and then my first day at work, I walked in the VP's office and she had a $2 bill tacked to her corkboard. So <clears throat> Uh, That's clearly, awesome. clearly made an impact. So yeah, I mean, not you know, you don't necessarily have to do that, but uh, doing anything you can to to try to to get their attention after the fact. If you know that you're in, you know that you've set yourself apart. Just trying to take that next step. Any sort of real letter, or something that's going to turn heads, is uh, is incredibly important. So when this episode goes viral, there's going to be a shortage of two dollar bills around the <laughs> yeah. country, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Giving away trade well, secrets. Yeah, no, so no, that's awesome. I, I uh, definitely enjoyed hearing that story. Um, now, a, as you are getting into your career to where you may end up managing other people, mm-hmm. um, what do you look for in someone? And, and, and I guess part of it is who do you work with best, right? But yeah. then also who, who can um, either uh, have strengths that are your weaknesses or, I mean, what, what are the things that you look at? Yeah. I mean, the tenacity is, is a big one. It, you know, I, when I get to that point, or even when I'm looking at like interns right now, I think the number one thing really is, do I want to work with this person? You know, I have to spend every single day with this person or, you know, five days a week. And in sports, you know, you're working 
80 hours a week sometimes next to these people. Hey, do I want to work with this person? Just from a subjective level, I think uh, people might not necessarily admit that, but I think that that is something that is taken into consideration by every manager, uh, whether it's subconscious or not. Um, and then two, you know, especially in corporate partnerships, I, I hear kids, students, uh, or, you know, people who are trying to apply for jobs within the Hornets organization or within our team to say, oh, you know, I really like the NBA or I really want to work in basketball or, um, you know, I really have done well here, but I'm ready for the next step. And it's, none of that is answering why you want to be with the Hornets. Um, and so I think it's, you're going to get in sports, especially in partnerships, you get a ton of applications for these jobs with a fraction of them actually being qualified. Um, but, you know, for me, if I see someone with minor league baseball on their resume or, or something where, um, you know, that they've had to, to cut their teeth uh, in, in, a, in a grind environment like minor league baseball or minor league sports in general, um, you know, I, I, I might be a little more conducive to, to that type of person. But for me, you know, I can teach you the skills or, or we can teach someone the skills if you're willing to put in the time and effort and you're, you have, it's just like being a student athlete. You know, no one just starts throwing 95 uh, at age you know, 12. Uh, you have to kind of learn and grow and get to that point, but you have to be willing to put in the time and effort. I can't teach talent, but like, you can teach skill. Uh, and I think that that comes through in interviews when you, when you start talking about experience and your background and what type of house you grew up in. Um, I think the, the tenacity and willingness to learn uh, and doing anything you can to set yourself apart is, is uh, what I take into consideration for the most part. No, that's awesome. And as, as we kind of wrap up our episode, uh, I have, if you haven't listened to some of the episodes, I've asked each uh, one of each person what their oddest interview experience has been and or weirdest question they've ever been asked. So put you on the spot here as we've kind of, we'll continue with the interview uh, theme. Weirdest interview story. Uh, well, it's funny. Um, when I interviewed at OU, uh, for the master's program, I had my, uh, my story in mind. I was a student athlete. I was, you know, I was wanting to go to school to support student athletes. And my experience was built in that. I was a teacher and a learner. And I had this whole thing put together and all my notes written out. Uh, and in my small, it's, in, at OU, it's not one-on-one um, -on -one interviews. It's more of a group interview setting. And in my small group of four people was John Nowicki, who's uh, a similar position as me <laughs> with the Oakland A's. Uh, whose entire story was based on being a teacher and a former student athlete. Uh, so it's funny, great friends with John now, known him for, uh, for the last four or five years since going to OU together. Um, <laughs> and uh, I found out later on that he felt the same way, like, ah, oh, man, everything I was going to say, this guy said first, and I felt the same way. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if, if there's like one um, – one question that stands out, I think someone asked me in the OU interview, if I had a million ping pong balls, what would I do with them? Um, or ask somebody in our group. I don't remember. What, I don't think I had to answer it, but I remember thinking, thank goodness that wasn't me that got asked that question. Um, <laughs> so what, what would you do with a million ping pong balls? Ah, see, at this point, I would say let's melt them and sell it, sell the plastic. I mean, you can make an, enough money because they're free. So that's a lot. It's a lot of plastic that someone could use, uh, or you could uh, make a make a raft out of it. I don't know. I don't know. I, we I don't remember See, what what I had said. 
see, I was thinking the sponsorship guy and you would think of some kind of promotion to do with them <laughs> on the court or something, right? Yeah, ping pong balls haven't gone my haven't gone the Hornets' way in recent years, so I'm a you know <laughs> that one isn't front of mind. Back to square one where we started this episode, but uh, <laughs> Travis, I appreciate the time on Life in the Front Office. Really enjoyed having you on. Uh, absolutely, uh, hope to have you on here again in the future, and um, wish you all the best of luck as uh, you guys uh, have have your draft in the next couple of days. And yep, Thursday. Um, start start the what 2019-2020 season here in a couple months and. I feel like it's a year-round thing anyways nowadays, yeah. right? Yeah, we go draft, and then you got free agency, then you got summer league, and that basically leads into training camp, preseason, season. Yeah, it's all one thing. It's all, it all makes it <laughs> one. So yeah. Saturday, Saturday's Monday, and Tuesday's Friday, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, and then add in the 2K league during the summertime, and now it's really a year-round thing. <laughs> well, awesome. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, best of luck, and uh, appreciate the time. Sounds great, Jake. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thanks.